Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast. It's time to dive into Aston Villa's 2-0 loss to Liverpool, and we also touch on their upcoming game on Thursday against Man United. A 2-0 loss for Villa traveling away to Liverpool leaves many fans wondering what's next. Some expected more, some basically expected what happened. But anyways, we're back here for yet another Holtcast. Of course, it's me, Cole Petham, here. Not alone. You don't want to hear just me rant on. I'm here today with my good friend, Danny Raza. How you doing today, buddy? Oh, don't underestimate yourself, Cole. I could listen to your voice for hours. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it is. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, I expected a win today. Not going to lie. Again, I'm joking. I didn't. But uh, I think a spirited performance from Villa. Spirited is the word. If this was 10 games earlier, 20 games earlier, I'd probably be I'd probably be fairly satisfied. But it's crunch time, Cole. It's approaching crunch time. Crunch time, indeed. And of course, it's not just me and Danny, because who wants to listen to us, right? Of course, we have Mark Jarobi making his second appearance from under a gaslit lamp. Mark, how are you doing, my friend? I'm not doing too bad. I'm not too upset about that result. I, I was expecting us to get shelled about four or five nil. So, you know, with that, uh, that kind of performance and the effort that the team gave today. But I agree with Danny. If we would have got that about 15, 20 games or so ago, I'd, I don't even feel bad about this loss whatsoever. But, like, again, crunch time and, you know, it's time to make crunch time decisions. Absolutely. And I think we can all agree, guys, and we'll get into it right now. Like I said, a 2-0 loss for Villa traveling away to Liverpool. I, I feel actually extremely hard done by, and I don't know what it is against Liverpool this season. The first game, of course, becomes so close, what, five minutes away from a victory or something like that, <laughs> all to have it snatched away. And now you look at this game, of course, a 2-0 loss there, not as close when you look at it on the on the paper, but... At the same time, there are so many instances where maybe we could have grabbed a goal. It could have been a nil-nil. Danny, we definitely had the opportunity to make something of this game. What were your general thoughts? Before I answer that, Cole, let me just get let me just get your thoughts on. Um, okay. Well, right, no, no, no. Sorry, before before we brush <laughs> over it, because before the play before the game even started, right? You want to talk mentality wise? Yeah, Villa did the guard of did the guard of honor for Liverpool. Now Liverpool did the guard of honor against Man City as well. Do you think that was right? Like, do you think that should be happening until the end of the season? Like, I mean, is 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 surely that's going to put like this whole air of superiority over Villa's opponents before the games even started, right? I don't, I don't have an issue with it. I think it's just a sign of respect, if anything. Like, I. I... there's so few games left at this point. I think it would be a lot different if they would have somehow you know what, end of undefeated, and it was like, I don't know, eight games or something. I think that'd be a little bit ridiculous. I don't know if every team will do it from now on, but you know what, it's just a, it's a show of professionalism. I have no issue with it. Mark, how about yourself? Uh, I, I will be the, the penultimate American and say I hate it. I hate the Guard of Honor. It should be for your last you know, home game or whatever of the season. That's just always been my opinion. I understand it. I get it steeped in tradition. I get a lot of people think that it's a necessary part of the game. I don't like it. I especially don't think it needs to be dragged out like some kind of pageantry issue. Fair enough. But you asked me about this, my thoughts on the game, right? Yep, I did indeed. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought we played okay. But that's because I think Villa played their best midfield. And I think Dean Smith's been scared to do that. Jack Grealish back in the central role. Uh, Douglas Louise playmaking as usual. John McGinn looking back to you know his usual level actually. I think that was that was a other promising thing to see. We created more chances than Liverpool. Got more shots. 
nine shots to their six. Yes. El Ghazi showing up because that's what he does. Shows up when he feels like it against the Because he teams. actually knows who Liverpool <laughs> is, so that's why he's showing up today. Exactly, exactly. Um, but Trezeguet seemed to get a lot of stick. He wasn't as strong, I'd imagine. Uh, but yeah, I think defensively, once again, a decent performance up until about the 70th minute. And uh, if there's any negatives you have to take from it, it's, well, as usual, guys, you've got to keep your heads stuck on for the full 90 minutes. You can't just lose it uh, when, 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 when times get tough and you've got to hold on. Uh, and I'd say my other comment, just to summarize, just to end my summary on it, is that, well, Dean Smith should have been making the substitutions earlier again, allowed the champions who are the fittest team in the league by far, the Gagan press uh, like machine that they are. Dude, get some fresh legs on there earlier. See, that's interesting because like, yeah, like I'm looking at the stats right now. So Liverpool made three changes in the 60, well, one in the 60th and two in the 61st. We didn't make any until, I think, what, Hata and Samat on the 74th. So you're already running on tired legs as, as it is. And I, I can, like, I can, yeah, and I can totally understand why you'd maybe want to keep those players on in the aspect of, okay, it's working. But you can see they're dog tired. And it's just, I think, once again, it's just poor tactical and man management. I know we don't have anywhere near the quality coming off the bench compared to probably 90% of the Premier League sides. But, like, you have to realize having a dead-tired midfielder or defender or whoever on the pitch for that amount of period, amount of time and not bringing anyone on, it's just foolish. Like, Mark, it just doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. And that, that was my fearful memory of the match as well, the 60 to 61st, whenever you have Bobby Firmino, Jordan Henderson, and Gini Wijnaldum come on the pitch. And, yeah, I, I would like to see Dean Smith make the change a little bit earlier. But I, I think maybe for Dean Smith, he was thinking maybe he was looking behind him, looking at the players, but, like, I have no one to match that quality. This has been working well so far. I'll just stick who's what, what's out there. I can see both sides of the argument, really, but like it, it gets really frustrating because we've seen this happen so many times to where like a goal happens and the team's like, oh, I'll push the panic button and make some subs now. Like you didn't feel that maybe coming around the corner, especially when you're facing the Liverpool side. Yeah. We know we know their athleticism. We know what they're capable of. We know they can score goals from pretty much anywhere, you know, or any position on the pitch rather. So I don't know. It's just it's just another strange one. I can see both sides of the argument, but it, it is incredibly frustrating to play this well all the way up to a certain time. And then again, we get let down and you can blame the goal on whoever you want to, but it, would, it probably would have made a, at least a little bit more of a difference if we had some fresh legs on the pitch. Yeah. And make no mistake. I think even with that first goal, it looked like, you know, some of those, I mean, uh, there, there was some bad marking going on. There, there were clearly a lot more energy from Liverpool in that final third. And uh, I'd say even, even then, like, it was another bad defensive error as well. And I, I don't know if it's to do with tiredness, but basically when when we conceded that goal, um, everybody had just kind of like stood still in the box and allowed mm-hmm. Kate. Naby Kater actually stood still for like two seconds. He was very poor today too. Like in terms of Liverpool standard, like way off the pace. The amount of balls just going out of bounds, mispassed plays, or misplaced, misplaced plays, if I can say it. Like in terms of a Liverpool standard, he was poor. Oh, we went toe to toe with them in midfield. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think Kane probably had a really underwhelming game, which you know, obviously positive for Villa. But that, yeah, that that's not the standard you're used to seeing, even from him. And I know he might have had a little bit of consistency issues in the beginning of the season for Liverpool, but Villa should have been able to pick up on that today. We had John again out there looking like he's finally getting back to the John again that we know of. 
using his body well, not afraid to, you know, get himself low, be able to keep controlling the ball. So I don't know. I was really looking at those midfield areas a lot when Villa broke into the final third, especially on the counter. And it just seemed like Naby Keita didn't know who am I marking, where am I supposed to go, who am I supposed to give support to. So it was kind of a shame to see Villa not be able to cash in on that. Yeah, I think the thing that's interesting, too, now that I think about it, now this is both, well, our side most recently, this is about a week off for Villa. This is the first time that they've had this since Project Restart. And maybe this is just a tease, and who knows, maybe it was just a um, an arise to the occasion and some kind of weird standard, even though we lost. This team looked fresh. Grealish looked a little bit like his old self, of course, couldn't get that goal uh, later on, which was a bit unfortunate, probably too late, you'd have to say there too. But a lot of players looked more refreshed. You could say that same for McGinn as well. Maybe somehow El Ghazi was refreshed as well, even though I think he just he's the Suzoko of this year and just pops up for the big occasion. Um, but aside from that, I think it teases us going into this because now, of course, you have United on Thursday. And Danny, I'll come to you next. Mm-hmm. What's what's the expectation going into the next few games? We'll just kind of blend everything together at this point because we know it's a loss and we have to kind of look forward. But what are you expecting going into the last, what, four games or so? Five games? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I think expectations-wise, I think we just... If Villa get to score some goals, if Villa manage to figure out how to score goals between now and the end of the season then yeah i just think i think we need to pick up three points in 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 a game and then maybe pick up a couple of points elsewhere i think it's it, i think it's one of those ones where look bournemouth will win a game eventually yeah. we'll win a game eventually it's going to get tight it's not well i don't know if we'll win a game eventually i thought i'd like to think we will um but it's one of those where look west ham got one win right and now there's daylight because they they took that uh, confidence into the newcastle game and now they're four points ahead of us what I was fearing by this point was Villa not, you know, being in a position to set the pace, and they're not now. You know, they're not. Um, they've got to hope that Watford obviously drop points. Basically, even if Villa pick up points at, uh, let's have a look at the fixtures again. Even if Villa pick up points at Crystal Palace, Everton. Or West Ham. Sorry if you can hear my pirate in the back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not good. I thought it was an engine or something. <laughs> no, it's my pirate. It's Romeo. Uh, but yeah, if even if it pick up points at West Ham, Everton, and Crystal Palace, um, it's hard to see where the wins will come from. Uh, but secondly, like Watford are going to pick up points as well, and now we need to get ahead of them somehow. Uh, and yeah, I think it's just get what you can, boys. Get what you can. I'm not expecting anything from from Manchester United, but uh, Palace, Everton. Arsenal, West Ham. Guys, there's got to be six points in there somewhere. So, I have a more important question. Who is Romeo's favorite Villa player? Romeo, who's your favorite Villa player? <laughs> no, he's silent. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 he's a City I, I, fan, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's a Birmingham City fan. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I, think, I think if anybody was watching Villa right now, I think as was the case in this game as well, if anybody was new to Villa, their favorite player would be Douglas Louise. Oh, he's getting another rate. So good, so good. Mark, I'll come to you next because we look at this front three starting today: El Ghazi, Davis, and Trezeguet. I think a lot of people uh, definitely have uh, majority is negative when it comes to El Ghazi and Trezeguet, especially. <laughs> what were your thoughts on that front three? Because I like the idea 
of what Davis can bring. Of course, he still needs to kind of work on that finishing touch and some of his hold up play a little bit. And then you you look at the wingers. Like we said before, Algazi kind of showed up today. And then you have Def Truck, uh, Def Touch Trezeguet that basically had one good shot this season. That's basically put him into folk- folklore for at least cup history. But aside from that, he doesn't really offer much. No, he doesn't, man. And it, it kind of breaks my heart because I, I I would like to think that Trezeguet would have been a good player. And I, I get why he was scouted. I get why the recruitment team, whoever it may have been, may have looked at him. You know, he had nine goals and nine assists last season uh, b- before joining Villa. And it, it, it is in a lower league. And now you're seeing the golf of that that kind of lower league. So, I mean, with Trezeguet, it's just tough. I mean, all the stats that I'm looking up as far as his performance today through 85 minutes, isn't great. You know, you look at a pass success rate of 64% and only seven accurate passes. As a winger, I want a little bit more than that. I don't think I'm greedy by asking for that. Um, and where Algazi, again, you know, he likes to find the horseshoe every once in a while and wants to play up in games. And I can appreciate that as much as the next one. But again, it's all about consistency, especially when you're trying to avoid the drop. And that, that trap door is just getting wider and wider for Villa at the moment. Um Keenan Davis, I, I I didn't think Keenan was too too bad today, but his first touch let him down. Um, his first touch lets him down, you know, quite often as we're seeing since the restart. And I want Keenan to, you know, be a success as much as the next guy. And you know, I said it on the last one. I think that, you know, his story is, is very nice, and the fact that he came up from non-league and found himself at Aston Villa, and now he's finally getting a, a chance to, you know, take that spot and at least try to show what he can do. And I think he's done that, but I also think that it, it, he's done that with the negatives attached to it as well. It looks like he can't really find the net. I understand he's by himself and he's on an island and then you have two strikers or two uh, wingers rather next to him that are, I guess, for, for most points in time, they're ineffectual of the game. So it's tough for him as well. He's not getting the best service. I thought the service for, was ported in by Villa in the final third on the flanks, especially. So, yeah, I, I don't know. With those front same three, old story, think, dude. Yeah, it's the same <laughs> old story, man. And it's like, you know, I'm trying to be positive, but there has to be an air of being realistic as well. And, you know, I'm not down in the dumps about a loss to Liverpool at Anfield by any means, but it was the same old, same old. You saw it. Like I just, I, and then I don't know why Elgazi is the first one dragged off the pitch. Why didn't they drag Trezeguet off? Yeah, you know, Elgazi definitely had a better running. game than him. Right. You're telling me Indiana Vasilev kind of came on with more than five minutes left in a game until stoppage time. You know, because of how poor Trezeguet was. And I don't know. I don't. I don't think it takes someone with laser eyesight to see. You know, Trezeguet was was pretty poor, and he did have defensively, you know, decent passages of play. It wasn't amazing, but like he was he was tracking back more than we usually see him. But that was probably more through necessity than it was being a natural player in that kind of you know, situation. But, yeah, I don't know, man. That front three is pretty much just the same old, same old. Yeah, I think the vassal of things interesting because, for me, if, you, if you're, if you ideally, especially if you're 2-0 down, if you're bringing someone on in the 85th minute, you're just chasing. Like, and I understand he has pace about him and all that kind of stuff, but like you said before, why not bring him on 10, 15 minutes before? Let him kind of get his own footprint into the game because what are you going to do for what say 10 minutes including stoppage time you don't have enough time to really get caught up with things and make your mark unless you're some of the best in the world like it's very it's very unfair and harsh in my opinion to throw Mm -hmm. someone on so late and just kind of it's a hope and a prayer thing and i think the biggest sorry go on danny i was gonna say that goes down as five as, as an as a substitute appearance without a goal yeah like, it's just, it's, neg- I think me and you have actually, this is deja vu, I feel like we talked about this, or maybe it was James, like, months ago, and, and how that really, like, impacts players statistically, especially. But I, I think the big gripe with me is, and we've kind of went on and on about the whole substitution thing, we only use three. 
I know we don't have, like I said before, the greatest depth when it comes to substitutions, but you have other players there that you could have utilized. Like, why not use your resources no matter how good or bad they are? You know what I mean, guys? I think that's my biggest gripe with oh, this. Got like, you got El Mahamedi on the bench. You've got Gilbert on the bench. You're clearly playing a style of football where you want to cross the ball in. Yeah. To like try and try and get Davis's head to it or Samata by this point. But you've got Gilbert and El Mahamedi on the bench. Why? Wh- first of all, why is not why is one of them not on the pitch? Second of all, surely you bring one of them on. You know, Connor Howrahan's probably on the bench as well, thinking, "Hang on a second, this is my zone as well." But. It's 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 so so annoying. It feels like a personal protest because we heard Dean Smith like kind of so negative on on um, substitutions earlier on. The, uh, you know when when the lockdown thing when the season came back, <laughs> it almost feels like a personal protest, dude. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the big thing. Please, uh, the the thing with me, especially when I look at the substitutes now and I look at the lineup. The biggest surprise, it, it's easy to look at it in hindsight, guys. I'm not going to say it. it's something I thought of, obviously, during the game. But now that you think about it, why not have taken off, say, McGinn, push Grealish and Douglas Louise a little bit forward, let, to, oh, oh my God, I'm forgetting names now, Nakamba sit in that holding role and push up. You have to go for it. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many different instances where, where we could have brought on someone and just, I just would have liked to seen a little bit more presence and a little bit more urgency going into those final uh, minutes or so. It just, it just seemed like we're chasing the ball down, hoping for the best. And to stay in this league, you have to do more, Mark, than just kind of sit around and hopefully you uh, eventually get lucky. No, I think you have a really good point too, especially with you know talking about a player like um, like Connor Horahan being on the bench, and you know that's kind of his bread and butter is to get in the games, and you know we know that Jack is the most fob player in the Premier League, so maybe you're able to get a you know chance there late with a free kick and bring Connor on. You know, John McGinn for as good of the games he had, he was he was cautioned in the 36 minute. So if you if you're going to throw on Hata and you're going to throw on Samad in the 74th, why why don't you follow that up with with John McGinn? And I get you're trying to maybe get him back to fitness and he was off, but like like we just talked about, he he just had a week off, you know. I I get it. You want him to you know keep running and everything, and he was doing that for the most part. He really had his legs under him today. But you know if you're if you're chasing a game, you know at that point you're one nil down and, and you have Connor Horahan on there. And I know he's not everybody's cup of tea. I know that Connor Horahan splits opinion more than more than most Villa players do in the modern day. But, you know, he still has a free kick in him and you still have a player on the pitch that, that likes getting fouled and likes getting his nose a little dirty to to get a free kick opportunity. It boggles my mind a little bit. I kind of think the same thing with Nakamba, too. But, you know, I don't know where you really stick him, though, because I, I like Douglas Louise. I think his game has been, been a damn near perfect. I don't want to say perfect, but he, he's doing exactly what he's being asked to do, which is basically help out a back four that, you know, is, is trying their best out there. So, yeah, I don't know. I just would have liked to see Jorge get on and, and chase the game a little bit. At the very least, you know, he, he can offer a little bit of a, a chemistry with, with Jack Grealish. Can I just 100%. say as well? Yep. Can I just say Liverpool weren't that good today at all, man? No, they were there for the taking. I don't, I, oh, yeah. I, 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 I want to, I, people, people will, will do the whole, who's the champions? The champions just got destroyed 4-0 by Man City. Oh, they're on the hangover mode. They're on cruise control. Like, I th- this game's a tease to me, in my opinion. Like, that's my biggest worry. Because I think the United game, in terms of how Villa can do against your quote-unquote top-tier sides, I think that's going to be the measuring stick, in my opinion. Yo. Facing a red-hot team <laughs> that's still playing for something. Bro, United, United <laughs> they're going to... Ooh, you think Liverpool is scary? You think Salah and Mane are scary? 
right? You 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 look at a shit hot Mason Greenwood, Marcus Rashford, and uh, Bruno Fernandez. Jeez, Villarreal. Paul Pogba. Yeah, man, it's Paul not Pog- going to be good. Paul Pogba's humble, man. He's he's sitting in the he's spraying the balls around, but you might not get up there. But he'll he'll control that midfield. Um, I don't know what you do against United. <laughs> it's like honestly, that's why I'm kind of wondering. Like, as good as it was to have a week off, roughly, and then okay, yeah, like like we kind of talked about this uh, before the podcast started. And we started recording. Michael Owen's just giving it the big one, you know. Oh, Liverpool, they're on cruise control. They can do what they want. They're the greatest club in the world. Yada yada yada. Whatever. Like we get it. You can't have any decent analysis from the guy because his head is so far up. Liverpool's behind. It's unreal. Anyways, that's just my complaint from a say, viewer right, standpoint. I'm going to I'm gonna bury this prediction in the Hulkcast because nobody's ever going to hear it apart okay. from Hulkcast listeners, right? Okay. Liverpool aren't winning this aren't winning the league next season. I'm, I'm looking at this team and I'm, and I'm just thinking, Jurgen Klopp's gonna, uh, got a lot of motivating to do. He's got a lot of motivating to do, right? I mean, I know, I know they beat us 2-0, but... You'd, you'd have thought that you know Salah, Mane, etc. They they want to get they want to get higher on the scoring charts. Arigi, right? He's on the pitch. He's got a he's got to do a little bit better against this Villa defense as well, hasn't he? Surely because yeah. you know he's 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 that 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 first choice striker spot ahead of Firmino was there for the taking. But anyway, I'm just I'm just gonna bury this out there before we before we go on to move on move on to talk about the United game. United will win the league next season. I'm telling you right now. Manchester wow. <laughs> Big shout, Danny. Oh, I can't wait till we get one Liverpool fan that listens to this whole thing and goes at you on Twitter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's you what happened. It's going to now, Danny. Now that you said he buried it. Yeah, I got, I got, um, I had, we had, we had Wolves listeners listen to the, the whole podcast. People. Thank you for listening. Last time I was we on. Appreciate it. Listen to the whole podcast and yeah, they they came for me. Uh, I'd say if you disagree with me, man, come at me, man. I'm 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 all ears. I don't I don't know what I'm talking about. Mark and Mark and and Cole, they know their Villa stuff. So listen to them. Oh, thanks, oh, thanks, Danny. I still don't, don't want to see you get abused from Wolves fans, though. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, no, we're here. Yeah. Listen, I've lost the I've lost the only ever Holtcast pub quiz that ever ever happened in existence. We'll so. do another one. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh if you guys can't tell this is a very relaxed podcast like you know what we're so far into the season right now we're not going to give you the same thing of oh you never know what's going to happen at this point we're just kind of like everyone else it's a hope and a prayer so it is what it is there the one thing guys though i do want to touch on before we get on to your man of the matches give your match balls out i i want to touch on neil taylor and konza right back left back respectively in my opinion, Mark, they actually did a pretty decent job. Like, Neil Taylor, the amount of ta- uh, times he actually controlled play down that wing was almost near phenomenal, in my opinion. No, I didn't have a, I didn't have a problem with Neil Taylor. Other than I, I would like him to uh, at least try to – I'm not saying he didn't try, but a little bit better marking on Sadio Mane for the, the opening goal for Liverpool. That's my only gripe with his game today. Other than that, I didn't hear much about Neil Taylor. And for me, that's what I want to hear when I know that the fullback is defensive. I don't want to hear your name very much. I want you to just lock it down and get the ball clear. You don't have to be cute with it. You don't have to make, you know, beautiful turns on the ball. You know, I, I'm not even asking Neil Taylor to make a forward run. I'm just asking him to be defensively responsible. Don't get embarrassed. Don't let yourself down. Don't let the club down. He did that today. Ezra Conta, I think, is getting better as a right back. But as, you know, Danny said a little bit ago here, um, it's it's still confusing because now you have two right backs 
natural right backs and one that has played right back for a very long time on the bench. Um, so it's, I think it's confusing for a lot of Aston Villa uh, supporters to figure out why that's happening. Um, I, I don't really have an answer for that. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a Dean Smith and coaching staff thing for me. The only things, and I'm not saying that I agree with either of these things, but the only things that I can fathom of why Ezri Kansa is being put it right back ahead of El Mahamedy, um, Gilbert, you know, he, he's had a knock, so he's probably still recovering from it. They're probably going to be touch and go with that. But as far as Elmo, I think it's because Elmo showed a little bit of signs of losing pace last season in the championship. Not to say that Ezri's faster, but he is younger. I was going to say, jeez. No, 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 I'm not saying he's faster than El Mahamedy, but Ezri Kantz will be here a lot longer than Elmo will be. So I'm not saying I agree with those two points, but in my mind, the only things that I can articulate of why that decision is happening is for those two reasons. Other than that, I, I, it just may be bias. I'm not sure. And he's better at when it comes to set pieces as well. Oh, he's let's way better. He's let's way not better take anything away. You know, let's no, not no, take no. anything away from him. You know, he's yeah. you you got you got a corner coming in. You've got three centre backs in there, not not two. Exactly. Right. I th- that's what I was gonna say. 100. percent I also thought he had a good game. I've been heavily critical of of, of Konza playing, but he he had a decent game uh, to be honest. Uh, but once again, it's that lacks. It's that lacks. I was the the one thing that I was angry about all game was the fact that as we I know we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I'll say this again because he, he was one of the guys at fault. Naby Keita stands still for a good one or two seconds before before the assist for the goal is delivered, and that that worries me. There's the, you can you can still tell that Hawes and Konza, as 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 much as they're showing promise. Uh, what you've got to, what you've got right there is, is two inexperienced players being ripped apart at the moment. That's 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 the problem. You're two missing angles, players. or you're missing Konza playing in that. that I think that's the big yeah. kind of um, handicap when you look at it. Like it, it's it's hard because if you look at it, like we said before, if you have you have Con, or yeah, if you have Konza at right back, you have three center backs technically that it can get up from a corner. Two better set pieces are probably the worst in the league <laughs> without a doubt, in my opinion. Um, and then you also look, I feel bad for Hawes. I think it's, he's just thrown into a situation where he's young. He's not good enough. I, I think we can all agree I disagree, on that. Dude. No, 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 we don't. We don't agree on that call. He's good. You, enough. you no, think he's, so? He's a good center back. He's a really good center back. Premier league standard starting oh, standard. Listen, man, Courtney Hawes, Courtney Hawes has, has, has not had enough, First team experience, in my opinion. When he when he gets a decent run in the side, he looks good to me. But he's a left centre back. He's a left sided centre back. He's not a right sided centre back. That's that's the thing with him. I don't think he's, you know, I think it's really rare you ever see like left footed centre backs playing playing that right sided centre back role actually. And you know, whilst he's, I mean, the thing with the thing with Courtney Horses is he's fairly tall. He's six three, right? I I I think he's pretty good with the ball. But I think what Courtney needs to sort out is, you know, one, his positioning, um, which I think will get better with time. And two, he needs to stop, you know, passing the ball uh, high up the pitch because that's not his skill. At the end of the day, for me, Courtney Hawes is the guy you bring in when Tyrone Mings isn't fit. Other than that, you play Konza at right centre back or you play Engels there. That's not his position. And I think particularly he's looked good in a, in a back three. But I do take your point. We are shipping goals. So, uh, you know, uh, I guess I guess that means that statistically our defence isn't, isn't up to standard. I, I hear that. 
well, this actually might be the podcast where people have a go at me, Danny, and not you this time. So it's all good, buddy. I don't um, think so. <laughs> I, I, I saw a lot of I saw a lot of Hall's criticism, but again, he's being put in a really difficult position. True. Can I get your uh, match ball, Danny? Then we'll uh, leave it at that, and then we'll sh- briefly uh, get back onto the United chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah Douglas. Douglas Louise, Douglas Louise again paid, I think, very well in that midfield. Made Jack Grealish and John McGinn's job very easy. As as much as as Villa didn't get the goal, and as as much as you know we did we did lose two 0 I think Douglas Louise made it so that Jack Grealish and John McGinn could both do their job, and that is what you wanted to see from him. You wanted him to say, "Don't worry, guys, I'm here. You do what you need to do, John. You go forward, Jack. You go forward." Um, I'm going to be here, old reliable Douglas Louise, spraying the ball to them and cleaning up uh, with the interceptions. So I think, you know, up against that midfield three of, 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 of Fabinho, Alexander, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Navi Keita, uh, they did a very, very good job as a trio. But Douglas Louise was the guy that made that possible. That was beautiful. Mark? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the same thing. I'm just going to back it up with some statistical commentary. So Douglas Louise is the man of the match for me as well for the match ball. Uh, 21 accurate passes at 62 pass success. Uh, he had a couple key passes even in his, in his uh, own third, which that, that's like something where he's starting to get in trouble and has to p- pass it back a little bit. Um, these statistics are all from Scout before anyone thinks I'm just like pulling them out of nowhere. Uh, pretty pretty accurate and pretty standard, um, you know, in scouting departments and stuff like that. Yeah, they're just counting them off. They just got a guy there over and over with the, with the tinder, like, oh, there's one, there's one, there's one. Now they go back. I get them. I get the email about them about 45 minutes after the game. So I, I trust them. They've been pretty good to me. But I, I just think he's doing his job and he's doing it well. I think Louise is a talent. I just, it's breaking my heart to think that it's not going to be for Aston Villa next season. Yeah, and I'll, you guys, I'll make it unanimous. It's Douglas Louise. He's been the player of the season uh, since Project Restart. And it's just a shame that we didn't see it at, at this strength before. And we did see bits of him where he he was showing his capabilities. It's just it's just a shame that it's coming right now where it could potentially be too late. He didn't want to play him. He yeah. didn't want to play him. No, uh, that, that's that, was, true. That, that was it. It was Conor Hauerhan. For large parts of that season, playing in that playing in that uh, midfield role, and I, Douglas Louise never really got a fair crack at it. And every time Villa lost, he was the guy that was getting sort of slaughtered. And uh, you know, it was right Louise out and a camber in. And You're on point you today, that. buddy. You're on point today. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> don't compliment me, man. Compliment Louise. Okay. He's- <laughs> to, to compliment Douglas Louise, we're all going to get little dreadlocks or something. I don't know. We all get our hair with a little dreadlocks. Well, you what are those? That? That's cultural appropriation, dude. What are... No. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, we're... I just made the, Gar- the Gary Neville sound is alive on the podcast now. <laughs> Do I say, oh, whatever. Okay, let's get on to the United chat because I'm just going to lose this before, conversation. Before Cole gets cancelled, let's move on. Let's get let's move on here. I was just trying to pay homage to the man. I liked his hair. That's all I'm trying to say. Don't call me any names, okay? Be nice to me. Anyways, like we've said before, we play United next Thursday. They travel to Villa Park. Um, <laughs> Mark, it, like we said before, it's not an easy task. It's definitely an uphill battle. They're one of the hottest teams in the country. You look at the, their attacking line, like we said before, Rashford. Greenwood can come off the bench and punish you just as much as Rashford can. You have Paul Pogba, world-class player. No one can doubt that. Of course, you have Bruno Fernandes, who seems to be 
just the Messiah there, the the midfielder they've been waiting for, even though they've had Pogba. We had, like I said before, I I don't see any positivity in this one. But how are you feeling, buddy? I, I'm not I'm not positive that that the Villa is going to be able to get anything. I think it's probably we're going to see something like today. But just give me the same effort that the Villa showed today against Liverpool. Just at least that. Just give me that effort all the way up to the 70th minute. Maybe a little bit smarter with some of the you know substitutions for tactical reasons. But you know, in the last podcast we talked about since Project Restart, you know, last time about Wolves. And how Wolves haven't really ever played. They didn't play anybody since Project Restart. Now, you can kind of look at Man United and how they've been. And you can kind of maybe say the same things, barring maybe one or two teams. So they, they started with a, a one-all draw against Tottenham. And they didn't look themselves there. We know they didn't look themselves there. But then Sheffield United, they're overachieving. They ended up beating them 3-0, though. Norwich, they beat 2-1. Brighton, they beat 3-1. Bournemouth, they smacked 5-2. So if, if Villa actually show up with a little bit of effort, and a little bit of you know fire at them to actually go at United. Maybe they could get something, but again, it's United. They're playing really well. Like like Danny said, man, Mason Greenwood's just on another level right now. I'm I'm so excited to watch him for for long periods of time. I know he's not a Villa player, but that that's a special special talent, and I would look for him to keep on the same thing up against Aston Villa. Yeah, I think the interesting thing, and I think the thing I have confidence in going into these last five games is that out of all the teams below us and Watford right above us, I don't really count West Ham right now. Cause I think right. I think they're going to be safe at this point from the looks of it. If they continue with their form and looking at their fixtures, we do arguably probably look like them, the most, I don't know if you'd say competitive, but our results are technically suggesting that we look like the most likely in my opinion, I think Bournemouth are dead and buried. They, they look like they have a bit of fight about them, but they're just the quality is completely shot. The plan there has completely kind of just blown up. It doesn't exist anymore. And of course, I'm not going to go on about Norwich and even Watford at that point. But of course, it, it was only 5-2. And you have to look at the two there that Bournemouth, Bournemouth scored. Of course, their attacking prowess, seem, prowess seems a little bit better than ours. We can't seem to get a goal to save our life right now. But, Danny, there has to be some positives in there because we're able right now to keep games somewhat tight. So is there anything looking at United that we can even potentially penetrate? Yeah, Harry Maguire. Uh, he's, he's not been defending too well. I don't think Man United in general have been defending too well. So that requires Dean Smith to do one thing. That's get Villa to attack. I think play the same way we played against Liverpool. Yeah. Basically. Try and try just... Villa have to have confidence in themselves, man. If they're going to sit back for the entirety of that game and let Bruno Fernandes just do whatever he wants, then, you know, they'll get what's coming to them. So I think it's I think it's one of them ones. If if anything, uh, what you saw in the in the United game um, over the weekend was that, yeah, you have to fight fire with fire with them because defensively they're not that good. Luke Shaw, in my opinion, can be exploited. And as I said, so can Harry Maguire. So, yeah, I think get onto that right-hand side. Al Ghazi needs to have a decent game uh, and just be whipping them balls in. And I think also get El Mohamedi on. You know, Villa are going to need to get that uh, attacking edge back, and I think part of that is 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 going to need the going to need the fullbacks. But yeah, I think Louise Grealish McGinn let them control that midfield, let them do what they need to do, and I think that's the that's the way to do it. Really, um, you could go rogue and go with Nakamba and uh, and Douglas, but yeah, I think it's it's I think that's probably how you want to play against United. Yeah, like, and it's kind of ironic to say it because we crack under pressure all the time, and but this is still the United team of earlier on in the year that 
has the potential to crack under pressure. Like it's it's been proven a number of times. There's been times this season where I've seen United fans want Ollie out. So it's kind of interesting to see that aspect of how um, a few results are put together and all of a sudden he's the man to take over Ferguson's crown. Like it, it's interesting from that aspect. I don't want to go too much into it. But I just I think there's potential and ultimately, aside from Arsenal, it's one of our last games that we can technically beat a bigger side, beat one of the huge members of this league. It's going to be an uphill task. I don't know if somehow we surprise ourselves and maybe I'm talking myself into some false sense of hope. But nonetheless, we're Villa fans and we kind of hope for that. But anyways, guys. Before we wrap it up, let's get your score predictions. Mark, would you be so kind and go first? Yeah, I'm going go to go 2-0 to United. I just think that the quality is going to show there. And uh, I think Danny was right about it. If, if we're going to make any kind of inroads in this game, it's got to be uh, take it to Luke Shaw. He hates overlaps, but I still think United get the best of us here, 2-0. Danny? Uh, yeah, I think United are going to obliterate us. I'm not going to lie. And again, I don't want to get I don't want to get slaughtered for this, but their, their front four is ridiculous and they're on form. So I'm going to go 4-1 United. Oh, okay. Well, my upbeatness at the end of my little rant there was apparently uh, not efficient to change your mind. So <laughs> um, <laughs> with that being said, um, yeah, I unfortunately, I'm going to have to go. I'll keep it tight just for hope's sake. I'll say 2-1 United. Um, it would just be nice to have some hope of a goal going in um, and something positive to talk about because I'm getting tired of no one scoring. It's harder for the man of the match, in my opinion. So... I'll go with that. But anyways, guys, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for listening to yet another edition of the Holtcast, of course, in association with 7500 to Holt. Of course, thank you very much to Mark and Danny for joining me. Of course, if you want to interact with us on Twitter, you can find us at 7500 to Holt on there. Or if you want to email the pod directly, it's holtcastpod at gmail.com. Of course, thank you very much, Mark, for coming on. Do you want to plug your stuff now? Oh, uh, yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at VillaMarkPGH. You can also find me on Under a Gaslit Lamp on Twitter at VillaLamp and at UnderAGaslitLamp.com for doing our own podcast over there, writing, all kind of analyst stuff. But thanks so much for having me on again, guys. It was amazing. I love talking to you guys. Absolutely. We'll make sure we get you on as much as possible. And of course, if you want to find Danny, it's at Razagerno. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Talk Aston Villa. And all together, we make up the Holtcast. Don't forget, guys, there's a few games left. We have a little bit of hope. And of course, up the villa. <laughs> <laughs>